Here we are, Sunday night, the 28th of March, episode 29 of So What's Been Happening. Um, can't wait to have this special number 29 on. Good mate of mine, Kerry Goulet from Canada. Uh, let's get the boys on and have a quick chat. How are we, lovey? G'day, mate. How you going? Good, mate. Wednesday night, 9 o'clock, a mm. little later than normal start, 6 o'clock in Canada, up nice and early. It's actually Sunday night too, mate, not Wednesday, but that's all right. Yeah, how am I going? All right, let's yeah. go back in time. Yeah. Cuz, how are we? As what night is it, mate? Yeah, nothing like a blooper <laughs> to start the night. We'll uh we'll edit that a bit out, as we don't. We never edit. We're going live. Um Beautiful. it's amazing. We've got a couple of shows, big shows coming up. Um, I was just think fast forward thinking through to this Wednesday. Um yep. just give that a quick quick mention now with uh Dan Brody. Can't wait to have him on. Back to another muso again. Um, we've got a big yeah. lineup of musos coming in the next few weeks, so it's good to break it up with a sports personality and superstar. A little bit of light there, cuz it'd be nice. It's not. Nice, it's nice and dark in your house. <laughs> All good, mate. Nothing like uh, good preparation. All right. Yeah, um, put that back on, mate. Where's well, got the night, right? Yeah. Yes, correct. Boys, um, we're going to release a new logo for us, um, <laughs> which is good. Eddie, Eddie, um, our man Eddie Zamet has come 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 to the party with the goods here. Um, we will release that. I'll show you that one a little bit later, but it's up in that top corner. Beautiful. So here it is. Like it. Like what's it. been happening? And that's where you find us, that Linktree link there. Um, you find all our links to our shows. But that's where we are. Do all the normal dodgy things with uh, T-shirts, the hats, the stubby holders. They'll all come too. Let's get, let's Absolutely. get it. You can get that cranking. Yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, it sounds like a good plan. days, trips away. Beautiful. <laughs> yes. PG trips, of course. <laughs> Boys, how's the footy been? All prepared for round one? Uh, yeah, list. so we're talking we're talking local football for the Lido, right? So uh, obviously we get next week off. We don't, we don't get into – uh, yeah, okay. Um, sorry, I'll, I'll keep talking while you interrupt, Glenn. Um, no, we uh, – I think we're right to go. Uh, we had a good hit out yesterday against Hampton Hammers and um, – Look, hopefully you don't see like you don't like to see football clubs struggling. Um, they say they've got about ten players overall, ten or twelve players to come back. But for us, it was a good, good touch-up type of performance. It was nice to take a bit of confidence into into, into a fortnight's time. And um, really, I think what we saw back in November, December, from a young perspective, a young players' perspective, all the ones that are under twenty-three, they've gotten better as the summer's gone on. So for us, uh, sky's the limit. Uh, expectations are very low from the outside, which that's fine. It's good for us. And um, we're playing Maroo Bark, who are next door. Uh, not very well liked at all. A um, couple, couple of guys have moved across to Maroo Bark from Willowdale. So I think it'll be good for us to be able to show them why they regretted that move in particular in a fortnight. Well, it sounds like an interesting setup for the season. Uh, yeah. Good luck, boys. Good luck. Well, hopefully, about, uh, hopefully, there's a, hopefully there's a bit of footage for you too. As we've promised. The highlight, of, the highlight of yesterday's practice match, as was the great man in the red shirt, 
shared the umpiring duties for six quarters, mate, and did an absolute shithouse job of it, just between you and I, the Gates host. Well, you know. He's the greatest umpire bash you'll ever meet. So it's good to see him put his hand up and, in all honesty, do a very good job on a very warm day. Jeez, the head cooked after quarter one. That was hilarious. You didn't jump in and give him a hand, cuz. You were running the boundary, were you, cuz? No, mate, I'm coaching, mate. I can't do everything, mate, unlike your good self. I'm... I just try to be a master of one trade, not a jack of all. Yes, well, exactly. You've worked out what you're a master at yet? No, not yet, mate. And when I do, you two will be the first gentleman to know. Podcast exclusive. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Let's let's start off with our... While we've got the viewers on, what a great gig we saw on Saturday, on um, Friday night, Luke Sinclair. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. down at George Lane in St Kilda, just released a new album, um, Heavy Dreams. Check that out if you haven't. Um, and yeah, can't wait to go and see Luke again. Thanks for coming along, cuz it was good. All right, um, number twenty nine, show number twenty nine. We obviously fast forward and did a show thirty not long ago and saved the twenty nine for a good friend of mine, um, the Gooch, who we're going to bring on shortly. But um, give us your Obviously, there's a there's a pretty famous number twenty nine that used to run around that we all know. Um, give us your famous number twenty nine, Lovey. Well, I've got two. It's uh, two premiership players too, David Grenvold and um, Barry Moorcroft. Yep. Two yep, uh, two absolute stars for Essendon Football Club. Very underrated, the both of them. Um, one of them walked away with a car one year, so that was good to see. But, uh, yeah, good players, both of them. Very good. That reminds me. We'll do a shout-out to Gaz one day and get him on the show. Um, a pretty famous number 29, and and uh, I think he's still still running around uh, up the bush. He did retire from Bandura, but I think he's gone up and uh, playing another season up Kilmore Way. So that'll be an interesting um, change. Game 564 or something by then. Yeah, absolutely. You've almost yeah. a thousand by now. Um, Charles, give us your twenty nine. Oh, look, you got to go with the comb over, KB. Yep. Yeah. And and, and, I'll, and I'll say an, an old schoolmate of mine, Brett Marnie, won number twenty nine when he played his two games at Richmond. They thought pretty highly of Brett. He was the first guy to wear it since KB. And Brett's son Jack now plays for North Melbourne. Beautiful. Just, just so, just so we're clear too, there, uh, Aaron. He's just referred to the under nineteens again, so knocks that, knocks that down. Um, so I said De La Cell, Alan. That's you okay. You've mentioned that too. So the the uh, the other the other great number twenty nine, very underrated. And I before the great Phil Narkel came on with his tricolored helmet. There was a proper helmet that was floating around for the mighty Fitzroy Footy Club, and that was Gary Wilson. He was an absolute star. And uh, Dad hated him because uh, he always – I think Essendon played Fitzroy in three elimination finals in four years. Gary Wilson best on ground in all three of the losses. It was just extraordinary. He hated him, but he thought what, a, what, a, what an absolute little star he was. Yep. Well, speaking of stars, what about the little master? We can't forget uh, the great Gary Ablett. At twenty nine, yep. um, yep. obviously came came back for that last year and changed numbers. Uh, took number four, I think, from memory for the last. Yeah, years. he um, yeah, he back, wanted to make um, sure that Andrew Mackey was on it Andrew fairly. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. And I'll take yeah, another twenty nine for the demons back in the day, Dean Sharon. So we're going back a few <laughs> years. <there, mate. laughs> 
So, let's bring on um, was it, arguably on, the, one of the greatest number 29s in the world sport, let me tell you. Um, and proud to call this guy a good mate, the great Kerry Goulet, the, known as the Gooch. How are you, Gooch? Oh, my God. First, can't wait till I get one of those uh, branded bungee smugglers. And uh, <laughs> you can see I'm, I'm doing well. Obviously, look at my new apartment. Wife love kicked it. me out. Uh, love, great to see you, kid. Love the hat. Cuz, turn the lights down. Seriously. <laughs> lights. Can't see. And, and AC, sorry, buddy. I, I lost a tooth, so I may whistle a little bit, so don't worry about that. But come to the territory. <laughs> hey, great to join you these uh, this early in the morning. I know it's night for you guys, so... Uh, so past any of your guys' bedtime, I'm concerned. It is, it is. and we're for, for you boys, uh, obviously we're live into Canada now, Kerry based in Toronto, Canada, and mm. you're not the only one up, Kerry. You've woken up someone else, a good friend of ours, yes. Robert Wine, who does not miss a show. Um, and speaking of shows, the Gooch Live um, is your video and video podcast that you do, Gooch. Um, just yeah. tell us. Let, let's come back and talk about that one a little bit later. But here's another good mate of ours, Eddie, who designed our new logo, mind you. Um, hey, good job. Number 29, the great Kevin Bartlett, who we just touched on. Um, he's a famous Richmond Richmond man um, and loves his Richmond uh, Tigers. So your Saints, St Kilda Saints, just got done on the weekend um, oh my by God. my demons. So that's okay. Um Kerry's new to our game and he's he's love, loving the Saints, let me tell you. But um, they're a little behind the times right now. I just like the Penguins. When you go to that walkway there and you see the, <laughs> the Penguins, that's the only reason why I picked them. I didn't. There wasn't certainly any plan here with St. Kilda. And don't, don't they wear skirts or kilts or something like that? So that's why I went with them. Hang on. What oh. game are you seriously watching here? <laughs> okay. There's no skirts or kilts. Are what we're doing. We wear tight shorts. But we're not wearing skirts or kilts. Well, what, what game are we talking about? Aussie rules. <laughs> Saints. Oh, my oh, God. Saints. Come on, kids. You're not actually not watching the game. You're not actually not watching. I watch the crowds, kid. I don't watch the game. Go right into the oh, crowd. well. <laughs> Seriously. I'll have, to, I'll, I'll have to find the people in the crowd that wear kilts then. I, I'm, I'm missing out, clearly. Well, think about this for a second, guys. All three of you are wearing hats, right? But the gooch, I got a little bit of flow going at 61. One of the things, before, yep. as we get started, I'm going to set the record straight. When you see those guys out there running around warming up and stuff, you can't, you can't understand how many times we look up in the crowd when we play pro you know we're in the mirror you know in the glass making sure we look good because we're all looking for which is the prettiest uh, gal out there so um when you got slow <laughs> like i got you know you got to be watching the crowd forget the game that's just gets in yeah, the way the magic happens. so you've that's you've got flow magic. though you've got flow though gooch i don't yeah it's great it's great though Oh my God! The flow. the flow left a long time ago for both of us. Okay, mate. On with you, Gooch. Hey, we go bald in. We just Cause go bald in Australia. Australia. <laughs> Guys, don't wear a hat, kid. You don't. Sorry, mate. Sorry. Hats off. Look at that. Hats off. Looks like a doormat. Yeah. <laughs> Looks better that stuck-on rug you've got there. You love it. <laughs> hey, listen. I need my floors buff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, let's get into it. We uh, we should be picked up about. Early. That's right. Early. Nothing like a good bit of banter. Yes, good. Sir. 
Talk to yeah. us about um, obviously growing up in Canada. Um, yes. Ice hockey was obviously a love and one of the biggest loves in Canada. But where did it? Where did sport kind of start for you? And in, in very in the early days, what was sport for you? Actually, uh, obviously coming from Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, uh, you know, anywhere from uh, I would say October to roughly April in those days, it was like a frozen sheet. All the streets were frozen, uh, ice rinks outdoors everywhere, uh, temperatures anywhere from minus 20 to minus 40. Uh, and we were just thrown outside and said, hey, go and have some fun. So at three, my mother was a speed skater and very close to the Olympic stage. I never quite made it. Uh, I can recall the early days, her taking me out. My mother was more of the sports uh, star in my family. My father worked uh, shift work. So he never really got an opportunity to, to become, he never found a passion in sport other than what our, his kids uh, lived with. And she would go out in the mornings, probably about eight or nine in the morning and go speed skating around an oval, but it was a, a figure eight. And uh, she would drag me out there and I had these little bob skates and she would have this kind of scarf put around her, her waist. I was about three years old and I would just hang on just like a toboggan or, you know, somebody pulling you with a sled. And I just went around with her and it was just fascinating how cold the wind was. And, you know, uh, my little eyelids had, you know, icicles from it freezing, like absolutely frozen. But I always had a smile. Well, the, the smile was actually frozen in my face, but that's where I <laughs> fell in love. My mother, uh, God rest her soul, one of the most inspirational people in my life short little girl, you know, a fiery girl. Uh, she just loved sport and she gave me that love. You don't usually hear that from a guy saying, wow, you know, I fell in love with sport because my mom. And uh, and I love my dad. He was a, an amazing man, but in his own right. And so it gave me the opportunity to, 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 to skate uh, at a very young age. And then of course, uh, it led to an incredible journey, uh, more so than a career. It was a journey, and it still is a journey. And uh, of course, I'm honored that I'm able to to do the things I do through uh, just playing a game called ice hockey. And you're 100 right. Um, Robert makes a good point here, talking about uh, Winnipeg. It's so cold; it's known as Winterpeg. <laughs> um, absolutely, sheets of snow everywhere. So no, I'll give you kind of an idea, if you don't mind, just quickly about the temperature. You know, you hear cold places around the world. Um, I was in uh, uh, Edmonton. Uh, last year with a group from Adelaide. They were called the Corona Boomerangs, uh, an Indigenous team that came over from Adelaide. And it was minus, they left at plus 40 and arrived in Edmonton at minus 43. So that, that sounds cold, right? And it is. And I was in 1979-ish, roughly. My New Year's Eve was minus 58 with the wind chill factor in Winnipeg, downtown Winnipeg. So that's cold. That's, yeah, absolutely. Talk about I would just Jamaican feel like, <laughs> I'd feel like the insides of me would just completely freeze. They're done. They're gone. Yeah. No. Love it. <laughs> so from um, from learning to skate and speed skating, um, where yeah. did that take you um, growing up as kids? Um, well, obviously, it wasn't, wasn't snow all the time. What happened through summer there? Well, through summer, uh, in those days, kids played, I played every sport. So I played American football, you know, uh, not the Aussie rule football type, but it, it was called six man. And I was a quarterback 
I was the guy that grabbed the ball and threw it around. So I fell in love with that game and then played baseball, which was a, one of those games where it was really boring, but uh, I loved it because I was a, called a second baseman. And if you know anything about baseball, you know, the second baseman and the shortstop get a lot of action. And uh, I, I fell in love with that game. And because my mother was a multiple uh, sport uh, person, she just made sure I enjoyed every game. And of course, you've heard white man can't jump in basketball. So I gave that up really quickly because I was awful. And then I played that that soccer game. Uh, and my coach <laughs> actually ended up being uh, 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 Gerhard uh, Zimmerman. So a big, huge soccer fan. Mm. Uh, and because <clears throat> I was fairly athletic, I was heavy bottom end, um, big tree, you know, tree trunks for legs. They thought I could, you know, be a fullback in that that sport. And I actually, I, I ended up uh, sitting on the bench a lot because I just felt it really boring, you know, running around and falling down and starting to cry a lot. And so I said, no, no, that's not the sport. I, I came, I came back to uh, ice hockey and just uh, a love affair. Uh, and and you know, uh, I'm really honored. I, I I know you probably had a lot of sports stars involved. I'm not a big sports star. I made, I didn't make it to the National Hockey League. My young career brought me through all the the trials and tribulations, all the journeys you would hear from anybody that's ever played a sport as long as I have. Um, but it's been amazing because it's, it's, it's helped me uh, meet so many great people like yourself, uh, AC, and of course your beautiful wife, Saitel. It's taken me from every parts of the world and the hockey news, which I see you're wearing uh, a shirt of that, one of the arguably one of the greatest and biggest sports magazines when it comes to ice hockey are just doing a story about me, uh, shameless plug. Uh, it's called, My Skates Are My Passport to the World. And listen, I wasn't the greatest student. Uh, you know, I got to grade 12 by passing grade six twice. I, I think I was almost six foot when I was in grade six. So I didn't really, I wasn't very scholastic. I didn't, I didn't really open the books a lot. Uh, I just used sports to get me through school. And I'm very, very fortunate that school uh, was not a big part of my life, uh, but it gave me the, the basis to figure it all out, like use a calculator. And what, what happened through it all is the fact that it gave me my life. Uh, ice hockey, I owe it. I owe everything to the game because it took me to places the average person never got to uh, without an education. I'm, I now am what I believe is worldly educated. I, I would have loved to go to university. I would have loved to have gone through college, you know, all those dorm parties and uh, all those sleepless nights, not studying, but, part, you know, dancing on the dance floor. I didn't get that part of my life, but I was giving it back when I went over to Europe and played hockey. So uh, the youth part of my game set the foundation for me to be as good as I could be in the game. And it, it opened doors that I never would have thought of when I was told I was going to play in the National Hockey League, which is like your AFL for uh, Aussie Rule or, or your national rugby team. Um, they told me I wasn't quite tough enough to play in that game. Uh, I then had the opportunity to go to Europe. So my youth, absolutely fantastic. I, I wouldn't trade a thing. It, it, it's, it's fantastic to talk about it, Gooch, because you sound like you've got such a passion for it. Well, that's on probably well, not nowhere near the heights what you've got to, but that's where like footy... Australian rules for me, like it, it, the friendships, the life skills, like mm -hmm. Lovey and I now coach the game, 
for the same yeah. reasons you, sw- you speak about with your, your love of ice hockey. So, mate, it's great to hear your passion for it. Like, and I've seen a couple of the shows that you do with As and that, and it's obviously the other stuff you do, it's wonderful that you've got what I call you've been to the university of life and to get a, to get a scholarship or a doctorate from there is often better than when you'll get from a university. Yeah, definitely. Um, so the journey through ice hockey, um, you obviously left Canada and then where did that take you? Where'd you go from there? And at what age? Yeah. So just kind of, I, I, I could tell stories forever. So I'm going to try and shorten some of these for you yeah. uh, because it, it's a journey. Like it's, it, it's something you, uh, because it's my life and I look back at it, I'm, you know, being 61, there are so many great moments. And this was one of the funniest moments that happened to me. I owned a nightclub and uh, I was uh, 21. Uh, Disco had just hit uh, uh, Staying Alive with the Bee Gees. And uh, we uh, started this DJ company, believe it or not, here I am on a microphone and getting people up on the dance floor. Um, my buddy owned this small little firm and he ran out of DJs one night because he was his business was booming. So he asked me to be a part of it. So I got out there and did all this stuff. And as it developed, I, I'm, I'm what's called a, a, uh, a poor philanthropist and a even more poor entrepreneur because I come up with all these ideas. I never had any money. So I just came up with all these ideas. So I got fortunate to get involved with a company that boomed in 1982 with the with staying alive it was the big movement you guys go to these concerts with bands and stuff in the bars at that time they all went to discos they threw the bar the bands out and everybody had a lit up dance floor with johnny travolta and it was just incredible and i got lucky i was still playing hockey at the time uh trying to make it to the pros but my buddy was in that business so i got involved in it long story short started getting involved bars and being the big guy. And it was just an incredible life, but I still had to learn how to play, stay playing the game I loved. And you guys all know when you're sports guy and everybody knows you, you know, Hey, here's a beer. Hey, here's this. Hey, here's some drugs. Here's this. I was very fortunate. I never got involved in any of that or probably would have derailed my life. So it was in, um, 1988, I uh, moved around in hockey. I was 27 at the time. I was already out of the the pro ranks, meaning that I wasn't going to make the big bucks. And I was in Thunder Bay, Ontario. I was involved in a nightclub there. A buddy had brought me into. And so um, it was rocking. The place was crazy. And on a night when I was playing hockey for what's called the Allen Cup. It's a big trophy that we play for nationally. It's a Canadian national for guys that aren't playing for the pros. It's kind of, I don't want to call it amateur, but it's it's still high level. My team won it in Thunder Bay and I was playing for it. And that night we went back to the bar, the bar that I owned. And it was the best party in the place. Like we just, unbelievable. 21 uh, guys drinking their faces off. And in those days it was a little bit different than here. you know, a couple girls, you know, all that craziness. So anyways, I, I go back into my management room and the, there's a knock on my door and there's a guy, little guy comes in. His name was Luke Nielsen. And he said, hi, I'm Luke, Luke Nielsen. I'm from Amsterdam. Oh, yeah. What are you doing? And listen, I just want to say I saw you play the last couple of games here. I'm, I'm, I'm a scout for ice hockey in Europe. And though you didn't make it in the National Hockey League, I've got a spot for you in, in Fife, Scotland. 
it, it's great opportunity. It's second division hockey. I said, hey, wow, that sounds really good. And he said, listen, I'm going to be back. I'm flying home. Let me call you in a couple of days, and I'll let you know what's going on. So a couple of days go by. I never think I'm going to hear from the guy. Phone rings. Hey, Gooch, it's, uh, it's Luke. Listen, I've got everything set up for you. You're going to Fife Scotland. You just got to hear. I'm sending you a contract. In those days, it was the rolled up fax papers, right? It wasn't. So we didn't have internet. There was no, you know. So anyways, he sends me this contract. I, I take it home and I got to scroll it out. Like, you know, and I go to my girlfriend at the time and I said, look at, look at, I got a pro contract. We're going, going to Fife Scotland. And, you know, I'm excited. The passion. Oh, my God. And she looks at me and says, no, we're not. So what do you mean, no, we're not? Carrie, I think it's time at 27, you settle down. It's time for us to have kids. Let's get married, white picket fence, all that sort of stuff. And now it's now I'm really going to be able to be a pro hockey player. Even though I made some money off it, now I'm actually going to have people that – so she says no. She talks me out of it. So I have to tell Luke, listen, you know, it's not not for me. You know, it's still English. It's not that exciting. How good can the, you know, the hockey be in Fife, Scotland? He says, but you can play one one time a week on, on St. Andrews, the golf course, on the practice course, and once a month on the big course. Oh, boy, I was starting to really calculate that one out. And she still said no. So foolish me, I, I turned back and said, no, I can't do it. I am so lucky. Usually that's it. You don't get another call. About four weeks later, he calls me back. Says, all right, I got the spot for you. It's a little town called Eschweiler. It's on the border of Belgium and Holland. Uh, it's yours. <laughs> they want you. They need you. And I said, okay, here's my plan. Okay, I don't have one. There's no internet. There's no Google. Hey, Google, uh, where's Eschweiler? So I, not the greatest student in the world, have to go to a library. I have to get a library card to get a world atlas, atlas. to take it home and try to find out where Eschweiler, Germany was. And guys, I couldn't find it on an atlas. <laughs> I phoned up Luke and I said, I'm coming. So I signed the deal without talking to Veronica, my, my former girlfriend. I come home. Now I've got this contract signed in front. And I said, we're going to Germany. And she said to me, literally, Gooch, you have a decision to make right now. You've got to stay here and be with me, or you've got to go and play ice hockey in Germany. But you're not going to get both. And I said, Veronica, pack my bags, put them in the trunk. Stay right the airport. Nice knowing you. That, yeah. Kiss on the cheek. That actually happened. That happened. I, I left without her. It was the hardest decision I, I made, but it was the right decision. I got over there, fell in love with it. It was the craziest times you'd ever you'd ever uh, imagine. And I thought I was only going there for a couple of years at 27, maybe two or three years, kind of a sabbatical, and it ended up being a 16-year career. She came over and absolutely hated it and only stayed three months, and she went back home, and then the, you know, the rest is what they say, history. Yeah, incredible. Um Ahead, 16 years. Uh, I mean, a lot of people talk about in any pro competition, no matter where it is in the world, that if you last a couple of years in that competition, you've done a good job. So at, at 10 years plus and almost, you know, in in the echelons, I'm heading towards 20 years playing pro hockey. Um, it's incredible. How, how many games did that total in, in 16 years? 
it's well over 2,000. Uh, but the thing that when people ask me how many games and how many, it's not the games. When you think about two-a-day practices, so we'd skate in the morning, skate in the afternoon, play three times a week. How many times I bent over and tied up my skates and put on that equipment? Because you guys know, you guys play that sissy game where you don't have any equipment. We actually wear helmets and mouth guards, which I should have been wearing. I didn't. And, um, you know, I visors. Yeah. So I, I don't this this yeah. <laughs> and, but, but people call that crazy because here we are in Blades of Steel traveling 35 miles an hour. That's what I found really interesting coming over to you guys is you guys are the ones that are crazy. You're smashing and bashing and crashing with no helmets, no equipment. So when they call ice hockey players crazy, you guys got us beat with AFL and rugby because I understand both games. Uh, a huge compliment to the AFL and, and rugby players. What you guys do to each other is insane. You should all be in jail. Uh, but I really think that <laughs> the game, the game with all this equipment, you would calculate probably 8,000 to 9,000 times I put my equipment on and off. And I wish they would have found a way of, you know, like Superman, you just slipped in and put the zipper up and went out and played. Because uh, then you had to get Velcro because I couldn't bend down as much to get my skates done. There were games, guys, where I had people having to touch to actually tie my skates. I was one of those absolutely craziest guys in the world. I would not miss a game unless I was had two casts on my legs or, you know, it, the doctor said, if you played tonight, you'd die. Uh, I did everything. And foolishly, to some degree now, because obviously at 61, I don't have the quality of life that I would like to have. But you know what? I look back and and certainly uh, have, have enjoyed it and, and been able to give back and learn from all of that stuff. Uh, but when it comes to the game itself, I think there's nothing better than, than being on the ice. And I always said this. I never touched drugs, never touched cocaine, even though it was prevalent around me at all times. Never smoked marijuana. Uh, uh, never did any. I, I may be drunk three or four times in my life. Uh, physically drunk where, you know, a stumbling. I just, my father had a drinking problem. So it allowed me to understand that. And I was in the nightclub business, which can go south really quickly. If you, if you, if you don't, you know, control it, I, it ruined a lot of people's lives. It ruined my sister's life. So I just got lucky and I never went down that path, even though I hear I am in Germany, you know, booze flying everywhere. Like it was ridiculous. You know, you, you didn't you didn't go out to the bar till one o'clock in the morning and you didn't come home till, you know, practice time at 10 o'clock. So in the morning, so it was kind of one of those crazy times. So uh, I think uh, looking back, uh, the sport really gave me a lot. And uh, I'm, I'm excited to be able to share it and travel the world and talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk through a couple of images, Gooch, if you don't mind. Um, this one here, a trading card, no doubt. Yeah, you know, that was the uh, – so my first team, as I was telling you, was Eschweiler. I got there, and uh, this is how arrogant I was. I, you guys don't know Wayne Gretzky. You'll see it, or you may. You'll see it in a picture. You know, he's got this Jofa helmet, which is really iconic for him, and he used to tuck his shirt in his back. And so those, that was legendary, right? Um, so I get to my first practice in Eschweiler, Germany. Uh, don't know anybody. Uh, can't speak the language. Uh, my first practice uh, is in a, the, the place that the, the arena is not what you see today. Like it was beaten up badly. It was a bad place. But um, it, was, it, it was home. 
And I come up, the, the, the dressing room was downstairs, and I, I'm coming up the steps, and I'm hearing loud noise for my first practice there. And the other import, you're only allowed two imports. So outside of a German, it could be a Canadian, American, a Russian. I was with a guy named Joseph Chastik. He was a Polish kid. Couldn't speak English or German, nor could I. Uh, I could speak English a little bit. And up the steps I come, and I hear all this loudness. And out I come, and the place is jam-packed. It was a building that maybe should hold, you know, 1,500 people, but there's 2,500 people. They're, they're hanging from the rafters. It's it's a practice. So I get out on the ice, and, you know, everybody, I'm cool and skating around, and people are clapping. And, we're, you know, you're doing the practices and a puck goes in the net, all of a sudden big loud cheers and the Germans, as you know, in their, their, they cross their hands and they're singing and dancing and drumming and drinking. And I'm thinking, holy shit, they've come to see the gooch. And so, you know, I'm showing off and dancing around and all that sort of stuff. So the practice ends and I'm just, wow. This, I'm going to love this. So they have the press conference. I go upstairs. I'm sitting and they've got all Luke, my manager. He's sitting beside me and they got all these German guys talking German, believe it or not. And they're starting to say things and they get Joseph up there and he's pretty shy. And he, you know, he, he, and me with, I'm a little bit flamboyant. I get up there and I'm freaking rock star. They're starting to say things and Luke's standing beside me because he's got to translate. And they said, and now, ladies and gentlemen, Kerry Goulet. Um, an American who played for the Calgary Rang uh, Calgary Flames, uh, you know, scored 50 goals in a National Hockey League, and I turn and they're saying it in German, and I'm just picking up one or two words, and I it's a great newspaper article, and I said, Luke, uh, I American, I'm Canadian, right? Yeah, yeah don't <laughs> worry, just just nod your head when they say stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Gary, Calgary Flames. I'm from Winnipeg. I, I came to Winnipeg. Nah, just don't worry about it. So I agree. <laughs> I say, hey, nice to meet you. Off the stage next morning, wakes up. The American from Calgary Flames is here, right? So everybody reads this stuff back home in Canada. They, they had the wrong guy. <laughs> we had a kid that was in, in, the, in, the, uh, in the lower ranks. Uh, his name was Boulay. So they had me up there yeah, thinking I was going to get that's where Trump picked up fake news because that was no question. Nice. Yeah, well. Nice. Smooth, mate. Very smooth. Did you run it? Did you run with it for the whole way? Anyway, you went. No, oh. it, you know, it took it took a couple of weeks. Went, so what, what transpired from that, we then started to play. And I had only signed a two two week contract because I was scared of what was going to go on. Uh, so I signed a two year two-week contract, and Joseph and I, as the two imports, we just hit it off. We couldn't speak the language, but we, as because you said, we both had passion for the game, and we just clicked. And, and from there, I just, I, listen, I had great people around me, and my career just exploded. So about three weeks later, I got my first serious concussion, ended up in the hospital, which changed my life forever. I was very blessed that I got through it. Uh, it took me down some rough paths, but I actually played the whole season out. And that summer, I went through some hell, and nobody knew what it was because we didn't uh, consider concussions a, a word at that time. It was just got your bell rung. And guys, I went deep as anybody's ever been deep in it uh, in a psychiatric ward for a week, getting tests and stuff. I won't get deep because we won't have enough time. But that's what spiraled me into 
this situation of doing what I do. And early in my life, my person, my best friend broke his neck and was a quad. So at an early age, I'd already started to learn, you know, helping people that couldn't help themselves. So that's how I've come today to be part of the Stop Concussions. And Aaron, you've been such a great part of helping us do what we do, not only here in North America. And, and I'm going to pat us all on the back. Uh, except for you because and love because you haven't done anything for us. Uh, I'm going to say it to Aaron Kuzak. Um, you know, you see what's going on in AFL and NRL. When I first came there talking concussions, no, no, I love you, love. <laughs> he's got anger issues, good. She does it all the time. Love, I'm coming back to you, kid. I'm going to pay you one compliment. Uh, uh. But as it turns out, you know, now you see what's going on over there with AFL, with rugby, you know, and everybody pointing fingers and that. I, we lived through it here 10 years ago, guys. I almost took my life. I've had friends take their lives. This is real. This is not putting blame on the AFL, the NRL, or anybody. It's putting blame on ourselves back at us. And, and I think we all have to just calm down. We're not all going to die of CTE. We've got to educate, educate, manage it properly. And that's what, Aaron, you've been so great at helping us. And we're going to be rolling that out very soon and helping people uh, understand that, um, you know, we've got to take care of our brains better. That's all we're asking. Let's learn that we're not gladiators. Right. It's not a gladiator sport anymore. Don't bring out the lines to chew us that, you know, those were the old days. Now we have to understand as 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 a person that loves the game and watches the game as as a fan, we have to realize those boys, girls, men and women that are out on the floor, out on the, the court, on the field, on the ice rink are only there to help us be entertained and let us get out of some of the hardships that we have in our life. They're entertainers. So let's understand we can't have the cost of their brain. And so that's why we do what we do. Absolutely. Um, and there's no doubt, no doubt, Gucci, you've given so much back. And when you retired um, after so many years of playing hockey, um, and there's obviously some great trophies you've won along the way, yeah. Um, yeah. You, you actually, you know, you actually came, you know, and here's, here's another one uh, celebrating a, a great win, obviously. Um, in the, in yeah. the paper over there, there but, we uh, we won the uh, German championship, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, and it was this. This was an early day. That was my was first. Uh, yeah, you know, I was listen. That was again. We don't have enough time to tell you all the stories, and that's why I want you to buy my memoirs. Um, <laughs> I'm actually writing, and it's funny. Uh, I mentioned to you earlier, uh, my skates are my passport to the world. Not that I'm some great superstar or anything like that, uh, uh, except if you ask my mother, she would tell you I was. Um, I, I'm writing down all these things that have gone on, not for me, but to share, because there are so many incredible stories. And that picture right there, though, the reason why I was so smug is uh, I was a player coach. So I was actually the coach while playing. Um, in the third division. So I can't, it's probably the second tier below your AFL. And that's not common. And I played till 41, which is also not common in this sport. And at that time, I was uh, 33 years old, kind of every, I was already written off by, by a couple of the, the owners of the team, because our team was up and down, we're going through all these problems. And you know, the journey is of ebb and flow. You can't take the highs too low, high, and the lows too low. I know you probably hear that often, but it's true. And so I used to be one of those kids that overreacted, underreacted, over. And then when I got over to Germany, because I didn't understand a word anybody was saying, my German was Hogan's Heroes German. Octung, bring me a beer. Schultz, I know nothing. That all sorts, yeah. 
<laughs> well, a lot of a lot of the management said that, and that was very true. They didn't know anything, and so they really, because of my position, I was either really held on a pedestal, or I couldn't go out to eat because they're so passionate. If we won, I was a god. If we lost, just one game, not five in a row, one game. You didn't go out to the restaurants because you'd just be inundated with a bunch of crap. So I learned very early that I got to just have an even keel. And that smile there was the week before they were talking to another guy behind my back to replace me for the following year. And uh, winning that trophy and holding it in my hands, it cost them a lot of money. So they had to put up a big bonus check to me. And um, I just knew that. And I said, you sons of bitches. And so they tried to eliminate me because I was a little bit arrogant. And they, pardon my French, they were trying to get rid of me behind my back. And it ended up, it cost them because the fans, as you know, were the ones that helped me. They, they bought, they actually, you know, chanted and, and signed petitions. And uh, it got me a three-year deal. Beautiful. So, <laughs> foolish you guys. Win-win. Beautiful. And uh, obviously, uh, we talked about you. Um, your skates being the passport to the to the world, and and being retired for so many years, and then just tell us a little quickly about this uh, the comeback period. Well, yeah, and why, uh, why you again, did that? Yeah, so in two thousand, uh, I can't even remember the number, but I was fifty two at the time, and a good friend of mine who was he was my stick boy uh, while I was playing over there, and he was playing for so there's a pro team, and then you've got other levels, right? So they had me on this team, and um. He had called me and said, hey, Gooch, you you missed 2,000 points in your career by three points. I'd like you to come back and play one more game with us uh, on our, our second team, not the main club. It was still a pro contract. So I decided at 52 to try and get back in shape. And I flew over there, uh, spent a couple weeks training and doing all this craziness just to go back and play one game to get three points. And uh, so I did everything possible. I had worn shoulder pads uh, uh, for probably 15 years. And, I, you know, I, I was playing beer league hockey, which was 55 minutes. Of, you know, this is a full game on international ice. So I went back and uh, Andy had convinced me to do this silliness. And I was going to play on his line. And his dream was always to play with me one game. And I pass him the puck for him to score. And that was his dream. So we set it all up. We get out there. Uh, these kids, honestly, the guys were playing. I'm 52. Most of them are 25. Uh, you know, I probably fathered some of them. And and they're on the other team, and I'm on the other side. There's warm-up, and I'm looking over at these kids, and they're all peeing vinegar, right? And I'm just – I'm doing my little strat, and, you know, I'm the gooch. My jersey's hung up in the rafters. I, my jersey was retired. So there I am skating around with the name Goulet on the back, 29, and up these kids are looking. That's his jersey, that type of thing, right? So I was scared because I thought it would embarrass myself to these kids. First period, we're down 2-0, uh, and, um, you know, it wasn't looking very good. Uh, and in the first period, second period, you know, we played three periods. I kind of got my win. That guy started, you know, feeling a little bit better. And uh, I score. The place goes crazy. Uh, I'm two points away. And then, long story short, we I I get two assists to go to three thousand. And my young uh, buddy that, that called me over, um, it was two passes to him to score. And it was just an incredible accomplishment. And it was a party like no others. And uh, I thought it was 25, not 52. And I hurt for a week. 
I bet the body body felt like it the next day for sure. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty. But it, it, and I'll just tell you real quickly. So that was the one crazy part. It was an honor to be able to go back there. But guys, at fifty nine, I was asked to do it one more time. Um, oh. I went back at uh, two years ago. Uh, the arena, Eschweiler, uh, sorry, Timmendorf was going to lose their rink, and they want to do some sort of concept to save the rink. So they, uh, my buddy uh, Eric Dietrich asked me to join them uh, for one game. Same thing. I had to sign a contract. I had to pee in a bottle, all that sort of stuff, just like a pro player. They, they weren't paying me anything, but at least it was going over. So now I'm 59, and the team we were playing was from Hamburg. I was in Timmendorf, and uh, I, can't, I can't bore the details with you, but uh, I ended up – we won 25 nothing. And I, at 59, I had three goals and six assists for nine points. And um, it was surreal to actually, at the end of that game, sit in the dressing room. And this is the thing I miss the most. You guys probably know it yourself. Sitting there, completely exhausted, doing something that showed people it didn't matter what age you were. Um, if you believed in yourself and believed in the people around you, you could accomplish anything. And so I'm sitting there having a beer. And uh, just said, wow, you know what? Thank you. Thank you for giving me this. And so uh, at 59, I was able to play one last time. And uh, I'm blessed that, you know, to get through without being, uh, I can't even give you the words of the accomplishment. And, you know, people would think, okay, that's arrogance. It was you. You know what? It wasn't me. It was my, my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, uh, all the fans that, that kept me going all through the good times and the bad times. Uh, letters, even though I've been away there uh, for so long, the love and the admiration and, and all the things when my mother died, how many people from Germany, the respect they paid. Um, it was them. It was a game for them. It was for them to live back to their, their history and, and remember the good times. And, and it was, it was, I was, it wasn't about me. It was about the whole environment, the, the team, uh, the people that we lost along the way. So, uh, wow. It was, uh, it was amazing. Yeah, it is amazing. I mean, it's as you know, sports so much more than just the game. It's about what happens off the court, off the ice, what what else you can do to help bring back and give back. And Gooch, uh, there's no doubt um, you are one man that gives back in spades. Um, and you, I know you mentioned and talk about it's not necessarily how you remembered on the ice. It's what you do off the ice and what you give back to the game. Um, and what, what you have been able to do now is bring an incredible event to Australia more than once. And we're talking, I met you in 13, I think, 2013. 13, yeah. yeah. It's been uh, plenty of time now. We're talking eight years um, of memories um, bringing Canada and USA to the Australian shores um, and New Zealand. So this was one of our great memories uh, yeah. not that long ago. It was 2000 and what, what year was that one? 18,000 people at Kudos Arena in Sydney, which was incredible. Yeah, it was uh, 2016 when Gretzky came. Uh, Wayne Gretzky came, and it was just unbelievable. Yeah, it was incredible. And um, we talk about great ones in our game, guys, but as you know, uh, it's it's the Michael Jordan of, uh, of ice hockey being Wayne Gretzky. And to get him onto Australian shores, even though he was only came to Sydney, was an incredible feat and and yeah. gooch you know really thank you for for getting um the great wayne gretzky out to australia and he loved it he loved it here and i'm sure he'll be back hopefully one day 
Yeah, we sure hope. Hey, listen, guys, I know as we wrap this up, I just want to say thank you, Cousin Love, and allowing me to come into your video screen and, and chat about my career. But uh, I think most important, if I could uh, let your viewers, uh, if I could leave them with this, um, I was there the day the Berlin Wall fell in 1989, and uh, hockey gave me that, and uh, an education of, of, of understanding the plights of other people. We're so blessed we can turn this computer on and have a cell phone and an iPad. And um, my uh, buddy uh, that I mentioned earlier, Robert Belfort, he had broken his neck uh, at a young age, and that kind of woke me up to understand uh, life is frail and can change in a dime and, and a snap of a finger. And um, I loved him dearly. He was a quad for 35 years. And he taught me a very valuable lesson. I think if there's one takeaway from all of this, uh, this is the one. Uh, I won German championships. I won scoring races, made a lot of money, lost a lot of money, made incredible friends around the world as, as Aaron and your wife and, you know, Tina. And she, oh, there's so many. Uh, and now knowing you, love, and cuz, when I get over there, buddies, we're going to have some fun together because I'm not going to take life for granted for one more second. Even though I've been blessed to travel the world, it's those friendships that we have and that opportunity, even if it's only for a couple of minutes, to sit and hear your stories because that's what I, I want to hear your story, cuz, and, and love, because you guys look like really interesting dudes. And I'm sure you've done some great things. But at the end of the day, what's so important to understand is and Robert left me with that. I would go and see him in his on a quad floor. I don't know if you've ever done it, but if you've ever had somebody that you had to walk through a quad floor where people have broken their limbs or necks and they're they're left paralyzed either from the waist down or the neck down, um, it, it changed my life. So I would go and see Robert on a regular basis. And when we lost him, I had to fly home and do the eulogy. And in front of 200 people at this eulogy, I hadn't seen a bunch of these guys. They were all hockey buds because he was he was my line mate, played a bunch of teams. So I hadn't seen a lot of these guys for a long time. And I'm pretty good with the gift of the gab. And so I wrote this big, huge speech and on the plane and I arrived in Winnipeg and they drove me straight to the funeral home and everybody was there. And because I'd played in Europe, you know, people were, hey, Gooch, hey, tell us stories. And I, I was pretty surreal. It was, it was one of those moments where you had lost a buddy. I wasn't there every day, but he still was in my heart and he helped me understand life. And I stood up there uh, in front of these people and I looked around the room and I saw guys I hadn't seen in 30 years. And I was kind of intimidated with the speech. And, you know, I looked at the paper and I looked up and I put the paper down and said, you know what? It would be unfair for me to read this. So please be patient with me. I I'm just going to tell you what Robert meant to me. And the words came to me so easily just because of the love and the admiration that was in the room for this young guy. And I said to them all, and I said, why did Robert bring us here today? I'm truly trying to understand that. Every time I went to the hospital, he never complained. He never said his plight. He never said the regrets. He only talked positively. It was as if uh, I was his best buddy, yet he was living with me everywhere I went because I would send him pictures. I would go and visit him. He taught us one very important point in life. It's not what you collect along your journey. The cars, the money, the accolades, the trophies, the scoring titles. That's your journey and your accolades. It's what you give back. And that's exactly what he taught me because he never complained. Even in his situation laying in bed for 35 years and when we lost him, there was not a complaint ever or a regret or blaming anybody. 
And so I think that's what we need to learn at it. It doesn't matter how much money you got in the bank. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. You can change somebody's life by just being kind. And when we get out of this pandemic, that's the hope I have is just take time out, connect with people, you know, just stop thinking about you. Let's give out more. And I hope uh, Robert Belfort, that's what his life was about. And I think hopefully that's what we teach people uh, along the way. And I can't wait to you guys to remember that. So when we do go out to the bar, you're buying the beer. Sharp as a tack. Love it. Absolutely. Mate, and I know. Uh, Gooch, just a quick one. That we are yeah. all, all our guests. Yeah. You're having a dinner party. You're the host. Yeah. You yeah. can invite five people. Who are the five? Well, that's a great question, and, and uh, I'll keep them short. Um, the first person that I would have at my dinner table is my mother, um, solely for the fact that. And not being corny, but just being honest, without her, I would have not had this journey and been able to travel the world and meet such great people. Uh, the second would be my father. And the reason is my father was not there the day my jersey was um, um Sorry, right, mate. We got you. Uh, it's uh, we we'll talk about we we'll talk about that quickly. About we yeah. talk about um, we've interviewed every guest, and we we do spring that question on them um, for a okay. reason because we know it gets it gets yes, a reaction yes, of yeah. we don't want you to think about it. We want it to run off the cuff. And All right, I can I'll tell run you that Cuz says every time that it's interesting. No one ever mentions their mum generally or their parents. And their parents, to hear the yeah. first two people that have impacted it's your sad. life so much being your parents. Unbelievable, Gooch. I love it. Uh, and I'll get through it. Sorry, guys. And so um, he didn't see me, my jersey being retired. And I know how proud he would have been because he never played sport. And um, yeah, so my, my and the third one, Aaron and Saitel, you know, you guys would be at the table, but it's pretty full. Um, my sister, who I lost years ago, uh, again, three people in my life even though my brother's still with me and I love him dearly, those three people, I would just like one more chance to sit and just talk about our lives together. And then I have to switch it really quickly to uh, uh, all my friends and family that, that I have along the way. I'd love to say them all, but you can't. The two people that I would love to sit and have an opportunity to talk to is Muhammad Ali would be one of them. And the reason of how he changed the world and became who he was uh, and what he did to change. And still today we battle with it, you know, with Black Lives Matter. You know, we just, what have we learned since then to today? So I'd like to ask him at that dinner table, hey, what do you see now? He'd be disgusted that we're still in this position, but I'd love to hear that. And the final one, I can't say Wayne Gretzky because I've actually had that opportunity. So it would be, um, golly, it'd be, that's a really good question. And, and, and I think, I, I would like to, uh, man. Alan Love, that'll do. Of course. I just, you know what? You guys would have to sit on a chair all together, the three of you on one chair. <laughs> I, I would pay money to do that. That would be a big chair. That would be a humongous chair. <laughs> a very big chair. Mate, that's, mate that, those answers are, are magnificent. As, as I said, we've had some wonderful guests, and you're a part of that. But well, thank you. We, we, we speak about often how many people don't mention either their partners 
always you've done their parents so that's that's lovely to hear mate. me honestly yeah we've got your back mate that's that's wonderful thank to hear you. you honestly thank you that's very kind and one thing i really look forward to is having you on again gooch to talk a little bit more about where you are now and what you're doing now yeah. and we'll talk a little bit more about uh that in, on another show i think Absolutely. but Thanks. what i would do want to leave uh you guys with is is one thing we do have coming up and we're working on and this ice hockey classic as gooch talks about passport or those skates being the passports of the world um this is the reason i left australia to go and visit other parts of the world and was to go and see gooch in canada and that was that was incredible for me and I've got a lifelong buddy um, and brother to me, Gooch, the brother I never had, and these guys sit alongside me as that. And to do this, Gooch, um, was a pretty special moment. To do that for your yeah. wedding in the Hockey Hall of Fame just shows how many people, and I know you could have had 200 more guys standing there with you, but just some close friends of yours that came to that and to all stand up there and be part of that day um, was incredible. So thanks, thanks so much for that, Gooch. Listen, I didn't get a chance to say, obviously, my wife would have been sitting on top of my knee while we were having dinner. Um, you know what? Uh, the only reason why all those people showed up is because they knew I was paying for the beer and they didn't have to pay to get in the hockey all the time. <laughs> Who are you kidding? And they got a jersey, too, for God's sakes. That's right. That's right. But um, I want to leave uh, you guys just with a little video of um, what we've got coming up and then... We might just touch on it quickly, Gooch, and then we'll we'll come back and talk again on another on another series. Thank but you. this is this is the kind of thing we've been working on, guys. So just on that, guys, uh, 2022 is going to be big. Obviously, coming out of this COVID uh, nightmare that we've all been running through in the last uh, 18 months, or well, it's, it's going to be 18 months before we, we get yeah. finally through it, hopefully. But um, Gooch, just tell us a qu very quickly about what's going to happen in New Zealand. Well, really excited. It's, it's not only in New Zealand. We're working right now with a bunch of groups uh, to bring that also back to uh, Adelaide, Melbourne, possibly an outdoor game. It's in the talks. You never know if it can happen. Um, we're coming back. There's no question. Some of us said through this pandemic, we've all had trials and tribulations. We've all lost so much. Uh, but the one thing we haven't lost is the, the passion for our game, bringing it to you guys. Um, we love the Australians. We love New Zealanders. You, you're, you, you live life the way we all want to live life with the passion for sport. So we want to bring our sport down under again. It's been eight years. It was supposed to be our 10th year anniversary. We want to do something big. 
So with the Trapolino family who fell in love with the game, Sam, Sharon, Dylan, and uh, my beautiful girl, Marnie, uh, with yourself, Aaron, and what Saitel has done and the group, we've come together to say, listen, it's not over. We're coming back. We're going to be bigger and better. We've had some issues over the years, but that just shows you that the power of belief, the power of friendship, the power of wanting to do something out of the norm. That's going to be an outdoor game in Queenstown. Uh, we tried it once before, Aaron, you were there, uh, or you've been a part of it all, where we've had leakages, where we've had problems that lost tons of money and people were disappointed. So in New Zealand, I promise everybody, we will be coming back. We're going to do the outdoor game that didn't happen in Wellington. It's going to happen on your soils. So again, and then for Australia, guys, we're going to come back and bring you not so much the greatest hockey experience, but we're going to bring Canada, U.S. and have the biggest party and uh, have the most amount of fun and allow you to enjoy our great sport while us giving you back some of our knowledge on concussions and, and mental health. And so yep. I'm honored. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And cuz and love, you're going to be on the bench with us. Uh, partying and dancing just like uh, Aaron has done all these years and really get to get the feel, the blood, the sweat, the tears of the game that we love. Can't wait. It's really, it's just the only comment for me on that particular event would be, um, you know, we see all the great rivalries in different sports around the world. And I know America and Canada don't like each other across that border every now and again sports-wise, and it, but it seems to me that, the ice hockey is the one that breaks that. Really, really has that almost hatred for each other. Uh, there's a there's a respect, but um, yeah. there's a distinct hatred for each other once you're on that on that uh, ice. And I, I, you know, I've been following contact sport for 40 years, so for me, bring it on. Can't wait. Yes. All right. Hey, we're going to get you on the ice. I got equipment. So in our celebrity game, let's see the cousin, the love. Uh, AC. Yeah. I don't know if you skated before. Off. Maybe take the blades off, put some dunas underneath or some sort of padders, yeah. and then I can just straight line me and I'll just see if we can bowl people over. We'll see how that goes. Oh, it, won't it, won't long, it won't be a long spectacle of bombing the house and giving it a tip. <laughs> it's going to be great. Look forward to it. And just, just where else can we catch you, Gooch? Uh, just tell us quickly about Gooch Live. Yeah, Gooch Live is a, a brainchild out of the Hockey Hall. Obviously, Hockey Hall of Fame is a part of it, but the Hockey News asked me to do a show once a week and then it pandemic. You can go to gooch.com, and it's just a show talking about what we just talked about, kind of behind-the-scenes things with guys, not about their stats and how many goals and how many trophies they won, more about those fun things that you all live at. You go to the bar. I know you guys like going and watching the bands. It's just like that, sitting around the dress room and talking crap, right, talking about stuff that you normally don't hear. So uh, that's on every day at 4 p.m., and we just got a lot of great stuff going on because uh, we're bored. I don't have a job. Thank God my wife's out working because I'd probably be living under a bridge or something like that. But uh, <laughs> hey, listen, I, I just I'm, thank you guys. Thank you for allowing me. I'm usually on the other side doing this, but to take take me on as a guest and allow me to uh, you know share some stories with you and hopefully change the people's minds is is truly truly made made my my morning. Thank you for waking me up so early uh, because. Uh, there's so much to do and you've allowed me to get up and I'm going to change. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to, I'm going to do uh -oh. something great. I'm going to pick up the phone and ask everybody today because of the loneliness and the isolation that we all have. Why don't you pick up the phone? I know it's late there tonight. When you guys wake up, promise me this, 
phone two people you haven't spoken to for a long time. Everybody that's watching this and who sees it later, take the time out to phone somebody because you know what? That phone call could save their life. That phone call could put a smile on their face. So please, all of us, two people, that's all I ask of you. Tomorrow morning, I'm going to do it today. I'm going to do five. Uh, and I don't have your numbers, but I'll be calling you about three o'clock in the morning just to see if you've done it. I'll answer. I always answer the phone. I'll answer. Fantastic. Just typing in the mobile number now. <laughs> Send it over, guys. I'm waking you up. Trust me. You, you, you say thank you to us for having you, mate. But honestly, I've, as I've spoken to us about you many times before, mate, and the pleasure is all ours to have you on our show, mate. Like it's, it's definitely a lot of love here for you, mate. Thank you, buddy. Coming back at you, kid, but social distance. That's it. Thanks again, Gooch. And just a Thank quick you, uh, quick push that uh, Dan Brody's going to be on the show Wednesday night, guys. Um, we're starting to hook up Wednesdays and Sundays again, so I really look forward to that. And thanks again, Gooch. We will see you soon, mate. Thanks. Great to meet you, mate. Fantastic. you got to go clean the, clean the dishes in the kitchen. <laughs> see you, guys. Got to do something. <laughs>